friends. Thanks for tuning in and listening today. I really appreciate it. I hope that you are doing well wherever and whenever you are. This is part three of my short series on the essential principles of self-care. I might do more talks on the topic if I feel like going down some of the rabbit trails I'm passing in this episode, but we'll see. I hope that you've already listened to the other two, and if you haven't, I hope that you'll go back and catch up after listening to this one. Honestly, this episode has been challenging. I've been having difficulty pulling these seemingly random thoughts together in a coherent thread. I've had so many different ideas to talk about, but things just weren't flowing smoothly, and I had a kind of a writer's block, and I was reflecting on why that is, and I think it has to do with the fact that I'm getting a bit out of whack lately. So what stresses us in general? Uncertainty, lack of information, and loss of control are three major ones. Know anyone dealing with these issues lately? Hmm. So I've been feeling rather frustrated with all the crazy things going on in the world, and I'm stuck here in my house day after day, and it seems all I have is my work, uh, but that doesn't seem to be enough, and that's because it's not enough. So that's sign number one, a little out of balance. So my life is a bit narrow these days. It's not a good sign when looking at risk factors for burnout, but I'm not getting burnout, don't worry. Um, but it is a warning sign, and fortunately, that's not the only factor that counts. Furthermore, the narrowed life isn't because I'm withdrawing. It's due to the fact that the current lockdown restrictions prevent us from doing more. But regardless of the reason, it still makes me grumpy, especially for those of you like me who are used to traveling and being more active and doing a lot more. And but what do I mean when I say my life is narrow? I mean that pretty much all I'm doing is related to work. The things I'm looking forward to all have to do with work. Now, I love my work. I'm excited about what I'm doing. Work is going great. But of course it's going great because I'm spending so much time at it. Um, but if I put it in my terms, uh, related to my three essential principles, my inputs, especially the external inputs, they're a bit thin these days. And I can see this now, and I don't really like it, but that's sign number two, lack of inputs, or rather lack of input diversity. You know, the days here are growing longer, it's finally warming up, and yet it feels like I have so little to look forward to, to not be able to make plans for someone who's normally so active and independent and traveling. It's, um, it's kind of a spirit crusher. And so that's another sign I'm feeling out of control. You know, can't make plans, can't do what I want. So what do I do? You know, I've got to reassess, reconfigure, regroup, recalibrate. This is self-care. It's being aware of these issues and recognizing the shifting circumstances in my life. And, uh, you know, I'm feeling a bit off kilter. You know, I haven't been neglecting my rhythm. You know, I'm really sticking to what I've, what I've been doing and it's, it's really working. But sometimes the rhythm needs a boost or a little bit of a change. You know, that's a good sign though. You know, it's a sign that I'm tuning in and executing self-awareness. But this is partly why self-care is hard. Taking care of yourself is hard. You know, I've said before that self-care isn't a list of things to do to help you feel good. It's rhythm. It's the framework and foundations of living. Balance implies that there are tensions between the things that vie for your time and attention. You know, what you do within the framework is secondary and interchangeable depending on what you need. So to review the three elements, the elements of self-care that I've outlined before is self-awareness, 
discipline, and inputs. You know, these are the foundational principles on which to build your self-care framework or your rhythm. These three are interrelated and synergistic with each, with each other. Discipline drives your self-awareness, which in turn fine-tunes your inputs, and the good rhythm reflects positive feedback and helps you maintain your discipline. We need the discipline to keep doing the work. I can be, it can be challenging to draw new boundaries and form new habits. We have to get ourselves started and then we got to keep going. I say that the only thing harder than creating space is remaining in that space. The good thing is that once you've made a habit groove, it can be hard to move out of it. Uh, but it is hard to form those habits because we're in the habit of not having the habit. But the problem is that sometimes these grooves can be ruts. We can get stuck in ruts. We can get stale in our practices and find ourselves going through the motions. That well has long dried up, but we still keep trying because that's what we do. Perhaps this is where I am. Who knows? I'm figuring it out. But I also think that once the weather turns around and then I can recalibrate my work-life balance and I look forward to getting back to the things that I like to do outdoors and that will certainly be help. As I said, taking care of yourself is hard work. It's hard for singles. It's hard for married people. It's hard for parents. And it's hard for people without children. It's hard for women and it's hard for men. But what helps us uh, get out of the hardness, what helps drives us uh, to seeking new is curiosity. We need to be curious about ourselves. You know, what drives us? And this drives self-awareness. And once you notice you're a bit out of whack, you can ask yourself, why? So why isn't this working for me now or ever? What juices me? What gets me excited? Why do I feel so on top of the world in that situation and why? Or what is it about that person that drives me crazy? Why do I always react like that? Or why am I not sleeping well? Or why am I feeling this angst? You know, Another thing that helps is when you acknowledge your need for control and that a current situation is causing you to feel out of control. Oh, control. Yes. For all of you control freaks like me, there is hope because most of the time our sense of control is an illusion anyway. And so we need to deal with that. Your self-care rhythm is no guarantee of anything because it is not a means to control your life. It only gives you strength and resilience to control how you deal with what happens in your life. No matter what, you will struggle, there will be dark moments, you will have troubling times, you will have doubts, and you'll feel out of whack sometimes. Just be prepared for that. A rhythm in self-care is meant to help you keep strong and ready for those challenges and for helping you to move outside of your comfort zone because that, my friends, is where the magic of life happens. So when things do start to feel a little or a lot off, having established a rhythm of discipline, self-awareness, and regular inputs will help mitigate the effects and keep the lows from getting too low. Self-awareness can help you prepare for a coming storm. It's about developing your capacity for emotional regulation that you've been working on since you were born. You have to develop the ability to manage your internal world and your problem-solving abilities. You have to be able to sit with your distress with your problems and try to find a solution on your own. Blaise Pascal said that all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. That's so true. Because we tend to go to professionals or Dr. Google or, 
Instagram or wherever, instead of ourselves, perhaps your faith or books or wisdom people or good friends. We have a tendency in our modern society to pathologize everything, and then the solution ends up as a diagnosis, as if we could cure everything that troubles us. Nope, that won't help. And that's also why self-care is hard. It is work. We have to work through those times and grow from them. We have to keep finding a rhythm, even if the beat keeps changing. Another related topic is boundaries. One can't discuss self-care without addressing boundaries, and there's so much to say, book loads about boundaries, but I'll only touch on it here. Boundaries are essential to a well-balanced life, and keeping sanity in your relationships, in your own life, and with your balance in your work and life and all those things that you love to do. However, good boundaries shouldn't be so rigid or strict as to keep you from being able to step up or be challenged or to be available for the extra things, you know, the magic. Self-care isn't meant to be a rigid schedule that precludes life from happening, the good or the bad. A good quote-quote plan helps you maintain balance and to know when to push and when to back off. You know, I've heard stories about volunteers or staff with nonprofit NGOs who neglect their regular duties, fail to show up, or they leave early, often without notice, and they do this for mental health or self-care purposes. This is not appropriate boundary setting. This is not self-care. This is shirking responsibility for dealing with your crap on your own time. Yeah, there are exceptions, but some people have developed a pattern of crawling into their shell and avoiding feeling triggered rather than dealing with their issues. A self-care plan is not supposed to protect you from harm. It's not a bubble of comfort or force field of happiness. We are simply not going to be happy and perfectly adjusted 100% of the time. That's impossible, so get over it. So back to, I'm going to shift topics a bit and talk about sleep, you know, because sleep is medicine. We need to get enough sleep. Sleep can be a sign that you are getting overstressed, and when you are overstressed, you don't sleep very well. You know, sleep is a form of discipline that seems to be hard for some people, but paying attention to it and doing whatever you can to maximize quality sleep is the single most important thing you can do for yourself. I'll say it again, sleep is medicine. It's the most important thing. It's so underrated these days. You know, the discipline of establishing a good bedtime routine is going to serve you well and will help you sleep better, but it's no guarantee. I still have problems with sleep, although not nearly as much as I used to have. However, when I'm up for hours in the middle of the night, I can deal with it better. I don't get upset, frustrated, or anxious about the lost sleep. It happens. I get on with my next day, and I don't make a big deal about it. Also, in developing self-awareness, I can usually discern what is preventing me from sleeping. And sometimes I'm worked up, anxious, or angry about something. Sometimes being awake and undistracted allows me to work through something in my head in those quiet hours when the daytime hours aren't so quiet. Sometimes I'm just awake and calm. My mind is at peace. I can pray or meditate or just be. I actually like it sometimes when this happens, when the full moon is shining on my bed. And just knowing this helps me to be present in the moment with, you know, and I have different strategies for how to get back to sleep. And that kind of depends on what it is that's disturbing my sleep. But sometimes being awake with the moon kisses on my head is, is kind of pleasant too. So related to sleep is the more general topic of body awareness. 
A good thing to notice when you are feeling a bit off is, how does this feel in my body? Pay attention to your body and ask, how does distress manifest in me or what am I feeling? You know, this takes respect for your body and feeling capable in your body and, and knowing that it's, it's, it's a messenger of what's going on in your bigger life, in your head life. You know, do you get headache or crampy bowels? Do your joints ache or you do you get that same knot in your neck or shoulder? Training for endurance sports has taught me a lot about this, but of course it's no requirement to do that. There are other forms of exercise and practices that can help inform you and, and be more embodied, be more in tune with your body. Because basically it's just about being in tune. In developing this awareness, you can notice the signals your body is sending you. They may be early warning signs that you need to pay more attention to your overall rhythm and make some recalibration before you start skidding. In addition, some people need to work things out in a physical way. I'm one of those people, and it's particularly keen for an Enneagram types 1, 8, and 9. Those are the body types. I need to work out and work out hard sometimes to help cope with the stress. That's partly when, why when I'm injured and I can't run, it's a double whammy. I have stress because I'm not running and I have to come up with other ways to deal with the stress. Speaking of the Enneagram, it's a self-awareness tool. The Enneagram is a model of the human psyche which is principally understood as a typology of nine interconnected personality types. I have found this to be an invaluable tool in the development of my self-awareness. However, it is a tool, and not everyone will find it as helpful as I have. There are a variety of tools out there. Go and discover what works for you. So in summary, this has been a bit of a random weave of ideas. I'm just skimming the canopy of the forest of self-care topics. That's why there's books on this. I learned and helped myself a lot in the preparation of this podcast, so I, hoped, I hope it helped you as well. I've tried to bring back to some of the particular issues and struggles into focus of a wider lens of the foundational principles of self-awareness, discipline, and inputs. I'm going to wrap up by sharing a list of 10 things to do each day. By the way, I just did a Google search of self-care images and got a bunch of ads for skincare and self-help books, as well as flowery means, mainly, mainly slanted towards the feminine. But here's a list that are good suggestions for everyone. I've lost the source of the ideas, but they aren't all mine, and they aren't any particular order of importance except for the first one, for the reasons I've stated above, which is number one, get enough sleep. Remember that sleep is medicine. It's probably the most important thing you can do for yourself. Number two is get enough nutritious food. And I stress nutritious. Do that for yourself. You can have some junk food, but make sure you're not skimping on your fruits and veggies. Number three, do some light exercise. You don't have to run 10 miles every morning, but do something to get the blood flowing and to your brain and your lungs and, and throughout all of your extremities. It can do you a lot of good. Number four, practice gratitude. Number five, do something pleasurable. Number six, focus on what you did well. And number seven follows on that is learn from your mistakes because we're not always going to do everything well, but we can learn from what we didn't do well. Number eight, support a colleague. Help them see what they did well that day. And number nine, share a joke laugh with someone, we're relational beings, and this helps bring us back to gratitude and doing something pleasurable as well. Number 10, 
is pray, meditate, or relax, be intentionally still, at least for a small portion of your day. So that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in and listening. If this is your first visit, please go back and listen to the other two podcasts on self-care and the other topics from The Doctor Is In. Thanks also for subscribing to this channel. I do monthly live webinars that tackle topics at the intersection of healthcare and human trafficking, so please go sign up for my newsletter to learn how you can participate and join in those conversations. I look forward to seeing you in the next one. So take care. Be well, everyone. Remember the words of Anne Frank. How wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world. Bye-bye now. 